0: say welcome to all of our campuses, and uh, we are a multi-site church with eight campuses in Minnesota, and uh, I just want to say hello to all them and glad that we could use uh, the technology to keep us all together on the same page. And if you've been around River Valley Church for a while, you know that we don't make a lot of public statements. We try to stay out of the political realm as much as possible. We try to pastor people, lift up the name of Jesus, offer the plan of salvation, disciple people, and uh, speak to the issues as they need to. But we try to not do a lot of that in church on the weekends. But um, I felt very much so that uh, making a statement now was necessary. Um, obviously with the shooting in Falcon Heights and then you see uh, the escalation across our country where the violence escalates and we saw the horrific uh, hunting down of police officers in Dallas. I'm told that that was the worst attack on the police since 9-11 which is greatly, uh, it's, it's so sad, it's, it's horrifying to think that this is happening in our country and um, I just felt the desire and need to say something to our church. Obviously, uh, we have our Minneapolis campus, which, which is just moments from Falcon Heights and St. Anthony. And, and it's, we're involved in this. It's our state. Um, and we just got to say something about this. And I want to say again, the violence is horrible. Violence is never the answer. It doesn't matter how bad something is, more violence does not solve it, and we're not going to solve it, and we've got to speak out against this. I want to read something, and and please stay with me through this whole time. Um, 2 Chronicles 7.14 is a scripture that a lot of people are reading and are praying, and I want to also read it today and pray the principles from this. I realize this. Second Chronicles 7.14 was not written to the United States of America. I understand that. It was written to a Jewish people, to a Jewish nation. But God was giving them the recipe that if they went off track and He was telling them how they could get back on track. And so I want to take the principles from there and talk to our congregation and pastor this moment and use the principles there. Again, realizing it's not written for America, but there are amazing principles that God speaks to us in this passage. 2nd Chronicles 7:14 it says, "If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin." And will heal their land. All right, there's some amazing principles here. There are three things that we need to do. It says we're supposed to humble ourselves, we're supposed to pray, and then we're supposed to turn from our wicked ways. And when we do that, it says God will hear, and then God will heal. Now again, there's the principle and the pattern here. And the problem is with our society right now, there's a problem that needs to be fixed. And many people want to pray and then they want it fixed, but they don't want to humble themselves and they don't want to turn from their evil, wicked ways. And The Bible says it's humble, pray, and turn. We need to do all three. We can't just pray and hope. There's parts for us to do in the healing of our land and in our country. And again, the first thing is humble ourselves. I'm just calling upon our church. I'm calling upon our state. I'm calling upon our nation. We, we are one of the largest churches in America. We're one of the largest churches in Minnesota. I believe God has called us to speak out on this and say we need to humble ourselves. We, we are so arrogant as a people. We think that we have all the answers. We don't. We need God's help. We need God's help in this moment, and it's time for us to humble ourselves and to say that we've been doing things our own way, and it's not working. We've got to humble ourselves and have a posture of humility and a life that says, God, we need you. The Bible says we need to pray. We have to pray. Prayer is a beautiful thing. Prayer is a powerful thing. Prayer is something that every believer should be involved in. And I want to say this, our society seems to marginalize prayer, wants to kick out prayer. It says you can't pray here, you can't pray there. I can tell you this, you cannot stop silent prayer. We can pray anywhere we want. And I prayed in schools. I prayed in government buildings. I prayed in businesses. I prayed in restaurants, parks. I prayed all over. You can't stop prayer, but we need to embrace prayer. Prayer will help bring the healing. And it's not just a moment of silence. We're not reflecting on something, we're asking God to help. That's what we're going to do. We're going to pray. And I'm going to tell you this that we, we can't kick God out. We can't keep saying we're not humble, we're not going to pray. We can't kick God out. Our country has to embrace this. I was deeply saddened when one of the political parties tried to add God to their platform. And when they did so on national TV, the people that were there at the convention booed the inclusion of God. We can't do that. That's arrogant. We need to humble ourselves. We need to pray and ask for God's help. We've got to turn. This is the hard part. This is the hard part we got to turn from our wicked ways, and we keep living as a country like they're doing something wrong, not me. Each one of us has to look at what we need to turn from. Each one of us has to turn from our evil ways. It's sad because many times in society now, we're starting to call evil good and good evil. We can't do that and prosper. We can't live in in a country that doesn't value and respect the sanctity of human life and not expect problems. We have to respect life. We have to realize that every life is precious in God's sight. It's sad that we've accepted immorality as normal, and and we can't do that as a society and accept immorality as normal. We cannot think that we're going to prosper when 40% of children are born in America to single parent homes, that a much higher percentage is found in many minority communities. We cannot think that we're going to prosper when we live that way. This is a recipe for disaster. We've got to turn from our evil ways. Violence is evil. Violence is evil, and we cannot meet uh, injustice with violence. God never calls for us to do that, and we've got to stop the violence. We've got to say that our justice system is wrong when it seems that many times they wink at corruption of their own, and it appears that the politically connected, the powerful and protected live by different rules than the rest of us. We can't prosper. We've got to call that out for what it is. It's wrong. The Bible tells us that leaders cannot exempt themselves from the rules. They need to live the same way as the rest of us. And I believe this. The Bible says all of us one day will stand before a righteous judge, a judge that will truly judge people's hearts and intents. And the Bible tells us that uh, people will prosper when they use righteous judgment, when they treat people fair no matter uh, what party, party they're part of. We've got to treat each other fair and not live in a world of political favors. Additionally, I'm calling on all of us in our church, in our state, in our nation to, if you're a leader, stop politicizing the crisis that happens every day. Stop politicizing. It seems like so many times our leaders just want to score points with their political party rather than really bring solutions. It's not sound bites. It's not... uh, points that need to be made. It's healing that needs to be made. And I'm asking for our leaders to use their authority to bring healing and to unite people and to not ramp up the rhetoric was so divisive. We need our leaders to be better than this. I believe that this is a wake-up call for our country and an invitation for the church to once again shine like it needs to shine. The Bible says that we are salt and light church, you need to hear this. We are salt and light, and God is calling for us to bring light into the darkness. God is calling us to be salt. What does that mean? It doesn't mean that we're just flavor for the meal. When God said that we were to be the salt of the earth, he was saying that we were to be the preserving agent. In the Bible days, salt was used to keep things from rotting. I'm calling on the church to be the salt to keep this world from rotting. The world needs us to be the salt and light that Jesus calls us to be. So here's some solutions. You know about me. I'm a, I'm a leader that says we're going to get to the front row. We're going to bring solutions. We're not just going to point out the problem. We're going to bring solutions. And I'm calling on our church to live in humility. Humility. We don't have all the answers. We need to live in humility and say, God, we need, your, we need your help. We need everyone involved in this. The Bible tells us God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. And as we live humble lives and say, God, we need you, God will give grace. We need grace to fill in the gaps where we mess up. I'm asking for our church to pray. The Bible tells us in the Bible to pray for our leaders to pray for those that are in authority for us. We should be praying for those that serve in in government and all those that are in authority. We should be praying for those people that have lost loved ones that are grieving and continue to pray and ask God to do what only God can do. We need to turn from our our evil things. I'm asking our entire church... Turn from your evil behavior. There are things that you are doing that I'm doing that we're doing that are wrong, and we've got to turn from those evil things. We need to challenge ungodly thoughts. We have evil thoughts. The Bible tells us that the heart is is wicked, that there are thoughts that are there, and when those thoughts bubble up from your heart, ask God, why am I thinking this way about that person? Challenge those thoughts and turn from those evil, wicked ways. I believe we need to be bold enough to not let evil go unchecked or unchallenged. And even when I say that, I realize that that means we have to get into the mix. That means we have to get into the mess. And I know many times when you see the mess or the mix happening, you think, I don't want to get in there. I don't want to get that on me. And many times we... We think about it, but we don't do anything about it. We've got to get into the mix and the mess, and a little bit might get on you. But if we don't rise up and say, that's not the way we want to live. That's not we want the way we want our neighborhoods to be. That's not how we want to be as a country, as a people. Then the mess will just continue to grow, and it's up to us to get into the mess and to make a difference. We can't let it go unchallenged. We have to seek out the truth. And we got to speak the truth. And I know sometimes we don't like the way the truth sounds because it doesn't fit our narrative. We have an angle, a narrative that we want. And sometimes the truth comes out and it doesn't support that narrative. But we've got to speak the truth even if it's painful. Everyone has to realize the truth sets people free. Now individually, please, I'm begging our congregation. And I'm asking really again for those that will listen nationwide stop using social media to vent. Stop it. I mean, if you want to vent, vent to God, okay? He can handle your stupidity, okay? Don't ramp up the rhetoric in social media. Let's call for healing. I think it's so sad that with our, with our Devices, our electronic devices, we can add to the rhetoric. We would say things through social media that we would never say to someone's face. Maybe you need someone to monitor your social media and you need to run your Facebook posts or your tweets or your Instagram by someone. If my mom has me monitor hers, maybe you need it too, all right? (laughs) Feel free to delete anything that you've posted that has ramped up the rhetoric. Let's ask for healing. And I just commission our church right now to be social media chaplains. That's what I want you to be. Be a chaplain. See social media as a congregation you can minister to and you can help bring humility and prayer and turning from wicked ways and seeing yourself as a chaplain, a mediator, someone who will lower the anger, lower the rhetoric that is out there that gets so ramped up. I'm asking you to do random acts of kindness. I believe that we can smother this world in love and random acts of kindness to our friends, to our enemies, to people different than us, and say, Lord, use me. I'll do random acts. I'll continue to live in a life of love and kindness and to do those types of things. Again, violence is never the answer. It's never the answer. Let's smother the world with kindness and love. I'm asking for our church to be active in our community. I know you're busy. I know you're busy. Many of you work jobs, two jobs. Many of you have two working family, you know, two people working in the family. I understand that. But I'm saying we have to be active in our community. We should be serving and leading civic groups. We should be leading the way in politics. We should be leading in our schools. And it's perfectly fine and wonderful if godly people want to run for office to be in the school board or the city council or in government politics national uh you know places it's perfectly fine for this godly people can get into that arena i'm asking for us to teach honor to our children and our students and our employees we've lost honor My parents taught me that people in authority should be honored and that we should honor them. I remember that if I sassed my teacher, my mom and dad were like, we're standing with your teacher and don't sass the police. And people in authority are there for a reason. I think we need to teach honor. It doesn't mean they're perfect, but it means they have a position of honor that needs to be acknowledged. And we've lost that honor. And people say, well, if I don't like you, I won't honor you. That's not appropriate. There's a lot of people in politics that I disagree with, but I still give them honor because of their position. We have to teach honor. We have to live out love and forgiveness. Only forgiveness will stop the violence. Again, we've got to give forgiveness, and I know that it's so hard, but we've seen it. In our own church, we've had families testify that people that murdered their son, they were able to forgive that person. Only God can help you forgive someone that has done injustice to you, that has done violence to you. But I'm asking for our church to live the hard life of forgiveness. I'm asking you to control your sphere. What do I mean? Your sphere of influence, yourself, your family, your workplace, your school. Your place of employment. Do you understand? You can't control everywhere, but you can control around you. And I'm asking you to influence that. Charlotte Gamble was here years ago, and she preached a sermon, and she said, own your zone. Own your zone. I'm asking you to own your zone. And you would say, around me, this is how it's going to be. We are going to own this and, and lift people up instead of pulling people down. I know we can't change everyone, but you can change your sphere of influence. And I'm asking you to not let the magnitude of the problem cause you from doing anything. Many of us see the magnitude of the problem like, what can I do? What can I do? And that's just an attack of the enemy that causes you to sit on the sidelines. If each person would get involved, just our church alone, there are thousands and thousands of people that could be out there changing the environment. So don't let the magnitude of the problem keep you from doing something. Get out there and be involved and do something. I love what someone once said. They said, do for one what you wish you could do for all. I can't take care of every person, but I could do for one what I wish I could do for all. And we could watch what God could do. I think there's a lie that we think that if it's not gigantic in scope, it doesn't make a difference. Little acts make a difference. One by one, they add up. And I'm asking our church to continue to make a difference one by one. And the last thing I'll say before we pray, live out the greatest commandment to love God with all your heart. And then the second one, which is to love your neighbor as yourself. Love God with all your heart, and then love your neighbor like you love yourself. Get out there and love, 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 and see what God can do, and I believe we can change this environment. So I'm asking here and at all of our campuses that we pray, and I'm going to ask again, as, as rare as it is for me to just stop the sermon series and to do something like this, it's also rare for me to ask you what we're about to do. But in this moment now, I want us to stand up all across all of our campuses right now to stand. And I want us to join hands. I want us to move towards the middle. Again, you probably haven't held hands with someone in the church for years unless you really like them. All right? And I'm asking you to cross the house. Come on, squeeze together as much as you can. Reach back, reach forward, squeeze across. Hey, this is going to be solved when we step outside of our comfort zone. So I want you to do a simple thing right now praying with the person next to you and saying we are in this together and we are going to pray it's not a moment of silence we're going to pray and if you want to agree vocally with this prayer with yes lords amen we believe that and and join in in this prayer let's make this a corporate agreement that we are asking God to heal our land to heal our state to heal our cities And to change us, Lord. So let's pray. Lord, we just come before you right now, and we know that you don't just have the answer, you are the answer. And we come to you, we humble ourselves, and we say, Lord, we don't have all the answers. We are making a mess of things, and we are asking for your help. We're asking that our country, our people, our, our, our own lives, we take that posture of humility, realizing that you have the answers and we need you and we humble ourselves. We pray right now and first and foremost for those people that have lost a loved one. We know that there have been shootings and even uh, just the ones that made the immediate attention, there have been many, many more that have happened. A young child lost their life in our city. And so, God, we pray that all the people that are grieving, the police and the people that are grieving that have lost, Lost loved ones, help them to get the peace of God that only you can give. And instead of wanting to take vengeance and instead of wanting to be violent, I pray that they'd feel the peace of God and you would console them in their loss. I just pray for that right now. I pray for Lord Jesus' racial tensions to ease in Jesus' name. We come against any form of racism or prejudice or bias that exists. And we pray that we would challenge those thoughts as they rise up in our minds. And we would see, see that at the foot of the cross, everyone needs the blood of Jesus applied. You said in your word, ask of me and I'll give the nations as your inheritance. You didn't say one group was going to heaven. You said every group could go to heaven. Every group needed the blood of Jesus applied. And so God, we're praying for every single group. Let there be no racial tension. Let us see that everyone is loved by our Lord and Savior and loved by us. God, I pray that we'd elevate honor. We'd elevate honor. And I thank you right now for those people that have positions of authority right now, that serve in positions of authority. We honor them. We may disagree with viewpoints, but we give honor to whom honor is due. And they have been elected. And so we ask, Lord Jesus, that we would honor those in authority and we would no longer have hate and anger Uh, living in our lives, Lord, we again say that we want to value life. We value life. We don't want to see bloodshed. We don't want to see uh, children eliminated. We don't want to see these things happen. We desire, Lord, that we would value life every life is precious, God. I pray that we'd bring light into dark situations. I pray that we would chaplain this world, chaplain social media, and that we would see that as a great tool for good rather than a tool for harm. Lord Jesus, help us again to turn from the evil that is in us, in our cities, in our state, in our nation. Help us to turn a light on it, realizing that the light can dispel the darkness. We need to shine brighter, and we commit right now to shine brighter. And even now, we say, God, help us to get involved in the mess and the mix. Help us to get involved in the mess and the mix. And it may get on us, but, Lord, we say we want to be active in changing the way things are done. Lord, again, we say you are what we need. We ask for your help we ask for your healing. We ask for wisdom. We ask for people to move this forward. And again, we ask our leaders to just listen to your voice and to your prompting. Help them to lead us forward into healing and into peace and into love Lord Jesus thank you Lord again we turn to you you're the answer we give you the praise we give you the glory we give you the honor we cannot do this without you we cannot do this without one another we cannot do this without changing and so God we ask that we change we love one another and we look to you we pray this in Jesus name we pray amen Amen. As a form of saying, Lord, let it be, let's give him a hand clap of praise and say, God, Lord, let it be. Let it be. Let it be. Yes. Hey, before you're seated, before you're seated, turn to your neighbor and find out who they really are. Find out their name. Find out their middle name. Find out where they live. Let's start there. Love your neighbor right now. So I guess we could say that was Sermon (laughs) 1. Humble, pray, turn. And then he hears and then we have healing. And I believe that. I believe that that's a a sermon you could take now and apply it. You're going to have an opportunity. Now, interesting, you know, we assign the sermons as I pray about them and slot them in for the sermon series. Today it was scheduled, and we still will go there with a short sermon, um, John chapter 13. If you know about John chapter 13, that's where Jesus washes the feet of his disciples and serves them. And I can't help but think that this would also bring healing to our city, to our our nation, to our land and saying, hey, we will take on the form of a servant. If that's what Jesus did, we'll do the same thing. And as we leave here today, I believe we can take on that that form of a servant and go apply this, again, short second message and say, God, we will do this. Now, we're going to talk about foot washing and I just want to see by a show of hands how many here have ever been a part of a foot washing service? Now, not a petty, okay, let's be very clear. I'm talking a foot wash. go ahead, raise your hand if you've been a part of a foot washing service. So not even a third, maybe about a fourth of the church has been. All right, I, I thought about doing this and having stations with water and towels and everything around the church have a little mayhem, and my staff was like, no, we beg of you, no. Thank you, staff, for your wisdom, all right. They're awkward. I'm just going to tell you, they're very awkward, all right? Um, and you may want to do that. You may want to be a part of a foot-washing ceremony. You may feel that you need to serve someone and, and do this, but there's a principle here. And it wasn't awkward in the days of Jesus. It was very normal when they would wash feet, and it's kind of neat. Um, now you may do it again as a symbolic act and... Um, I've been to weddings lately that they wash each other's feet. You know, they do communion. They pray. They wash each other's feet as a form of servanthood. And I'm thinking, remember that when she asked you to take out the trash. How I many you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, you know, serve always, but but principle is good. So in John chapter 13, we have this story um, of Jesus washing the disciples' feet. I'm going to read the passage. Stay with me. And uh, then we'll jump into what it means. And again, I promise, we'll just hit the highlights here. But in John 13... After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you will never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you'll have no part with me. Then, Lord, Simon Peter replied, not my feet, but my hands and my head as well. How many love Simon Peter? Simon Peter. He's like, wash all of me, you know. Jesus says, no, no. Those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean. And you who are clean, though not every one of you. For you knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he said not every one of them was clean. Now, there's a lot more that Jesus was talking about. We don't even have opportunity, but he was trying to tell Peter, like, hey, you're going to be covered by grace, and there's water baptism, and you get this, and and there's, how many know that with Jesus, there's talking here, and there's talking here, and whatever Jesus says was absolutely brilliant and has so many sides to it, but that's what's going on here. But anyways, he says, when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them, you call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for this is what I am, Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. And again, Jesus was telling his disciples, again, not to go out and to start a foot washing ministry, but he was saying, those that have power, those that have privilege, those that have opportunity need to realize that you need to use that being a servant. That God's kingdom isn't about who you lord over, but it's who you serve. That Jesus says you're going to come under people, and that's the mentality that you need to have. Now, you've got to understand, they were practicing the Passover meal, which Jewish people did ever since God delivered the Jewish people from Egypt. And so they were about to take place in this Passover meal, and they were seated at the table, and again, it was their custom that some would would wash their feet, but nobody had done it. And it was their custom that they would sit at a U-shaped table, and this table was actually really low to the ground, and they wouldn't really sit down. They would kneel into it, one elbow. They would kneel onto that, and then they'd use their other hand to eat, and they'd be kneeling in, so laying down on a cushion, feet behind them, faces facing each other in this U-shaped table you got to understand, Luke gives us an insight into this story. And he says moments before, the disciples were arguing, who's the greatest? Because they would look at the seats there and they'd be like, who's seated where? Who's got the seat of power? You know, do I have? Because whoever was the host had the seat right there and on his right hand and his left hand. And there were different assignments and different rankings to the seat. And so they're kind of like, well, how come you got that chair? And how come you got there? And they're all worried about power. Before you look down on them, we all do it. We go to banquets and weddings. We wonder, where am I seated? Table 11, table 11. Where's table 11? And you're you're thinking, oh, thank God it's not the mutants at table 9. We're good, all right. And then you think, okay, I'm oh, I'm at the kids' table. Great, I'm at the kids' table. Or you're like, I'm at grandma and grandpa's. How many of you do that? Okay, they were wondering what position of power they could be in. And in this moment, Jesus is is serving them. It's incredible when you think about what's about to happen. Jesus is about to die for the sins of the world the next day, the very next day. And Jesus is there. And instead of saying, guys, I'm about to do something incredible. Somebody wash my feet. He doesn't do that. He takes the form of a servant. He doesn't say, guys, I've really been stressing out about what's coming my way. I mean, God's revealing to me the pain that's coming my way, and I'm stressing. I'm having a bad day. Wash my feet. He doesn't do that. We would do that. We would do that. I can remember early on in ministry, I would say to Becca, like, I'll help with the kids any night but Saturday. I gotta preach on Sunday. Ah, I'm at, you know, I mean, that's the way we live, not Jesus. Jesus, like, I'm facing the big moment, and I'm gonna show you something. It's the heart of the servant. It's the heart of the servant, and I want you to grab that. The world's all about power and lording it over. But he's like, I want you to have the heart of the servant. It's an amazing, amazing thing. Every day is a great day to serve, according to Jesus. Every day. The Bible tells us in Philippians 2, 6-8, Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Jesus, serve them. And I want to tell you a couple quick things, and then we'll wrap up with this. All right? Give me a few moments here. But I'll tell you this. The first thing about this is Jesus really washes their feet. He didn't like say, I'm going to symbolically do that. He's like, we're going to really do this. We're going to take off the robe. We're going to get in there, and we're really going to wash your feet. And he's like, I'm going to, I'm going to get in there. I'm going to wrap the towel around me. We're going to get ready. We're going to really do this. And I, I want to tell you this. When we serve out there, We serve out in the city. When you serve someone, it's not a symbolic photo op, okay? Symbolic photo ops don't change the world. You need to really get down to business and serve. You need to really say, I'm going to get in there. I'm going to take on the form of the servant, the life of the servant. Lord, who do you need me to serve? I'm going to serve those people. And in your power, see it as somebody that you could serve. How can I serve these people? Jesus gets in there and really washes their feet. And again, it's really awkward for us, but it was common for them. He he goes into the water, and he gets it. And I'm just thinking, if you use your imagination at all, I mean, how many know that these guys are walking through dirt, mud, camel and donkey exhaust? You know what I'm talking about? (laughs) Pooper scoopers were not invented, little plastic bags with a leash, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And he gets down there and does the lowest job. Lowest job. It really was. The lowest person, a servant, a slave, the lowest person in the room wash feet. And yet Jesus is the highest person in the room. And he's like, this is what I'm doing. And he washes their feet. And if Jesus could take on the form of a servant and mean business, again, I really want us to mean business. When we do our serve the city, let's do it with joy. Let's mean business. Don't just go there so you can get something on Instagram or social media like clean in the park today and all you did is point out the problem. Let's go in and really do this. Let's go in and do and serve the people that are down and out. If we really believe that Jesus saw everything and rewarded us for everything we did, we wouldn't care about the photo op. We'd go and serve the least of these. We gotta go and do that. Jesus served from a deeper heart. And I'm asking you that when you serve, you would serve from a deeper heart. You would say, God, help me to love the people I'm serving. Help me to love the people that I'm serving. How many of you could be serving with a fake smile? God doesn't want you to serve with a fake smile. He wants you to serve with love. Here's another thing that I love about Jesus in this moment. Nobody said, hey, somebody needs to do this. Jesus saw the need and met the need. And I'm just telling you as a church, see the need and meet the need. That's what I'm telling you to do. You say, well, I didn't know it wasn't posted. If you could post what we needed to do. You know, see the need, meet the need. I love it when people are in the bathroom and they're, they're, changing out the bathroom toilet tissue and they're cleaning up the floor and they're taking out the trash and they're helping it like hey there's a need hey you walk in maybe there's two greeters at the door and instead of like four and you're like hey give me a badge i'll greet hey there's something that needs help i'll do it i'll see the need and i'll do it i'll follow the prompt nobody asked jesus to do it but he knew what to do how many know the holy spirit knows what needs to be done and if you just ask him he'll point you in the right direction See the need and follow the prompts of the Holy Spirit. A friend of mine on Friday, he lives in Baton Rouge, which incidentally another tragic shooting was there. And here he is, he pastors a very large church. He's a white guy and he was pastoring this church and he's driving down the road. He sees this African-American couple on the side of the road and the Holy Spirit says, go serve them. He pulls his car over and he said, I'm here, I'm here to help. And they said, what are you gonna, he said, I'm your servant. What do you need me to do? They're like, What? He said, the Holy Spirit just told me to come over here and serve. What do you need? And they said, antifreeze. He said, Well, let's go get some anti-freeze. So they we went, drove them, they got antifreeze. That didn't work. They said, jumper cables. He drove them to get jumper cables. Didn't work. They said, a ride home. And he's like, on it. And they're like, really? He's like, there's nothing you could ask me to do right now that would be outlandish because the Holy Spirit told me to serve you right now. And they're like, well, that doesn't happen every day. <laughs> How many know if we take on that posture? as a servant, and we say, Lord, here am I, send me, I'll t- what do you want me to do? I'll follow the prompt. This world will be changed if we take on that mentality and serve people. He told them to imitate him. And it wasn't, again, not in actual foot washing, but in serving. And I'm asking you to serve. I'm asking you to see this as a way to imitate Jesus. By serving in this church, outside of this church, in this community, by helping people. Instead of just pointing out the problem, let's solve the problem and grab the towel and make a difference. The hospitals need us. The shut-ins need us. The, our enemies need us. Children need us. Those down and out need us. Let's help solve the problems with the heart of a servant, the actions of the servant, the towel stop worrying about the titles that you have and grab a towel and let's be servants. Last thing that happens and I'll close with this. Jesus had the right motive, the right heart and did it. And when he challenged us to do it, here's what happens to us when we serve. How many know when you serve someone there's a lot of inner dialogue that's going on inside your mind. You know? You may like I'm here to serve and they're like all right you go over there you're like oh great I got the worst spot. Seriously. That's real. And then the Holy Spirit's like, but you're here to serve, right? Yeah, but they gave me the word. i got a lot more skills than this, Lord. And the Holy Spirit's like, come on, where's your heart? And how many know that the Holy Spirit starts working on you? So you're doing something serving somebody, and while you're serving, all of a sudden the Holy Spirit starts working on you. If you pass that... How many know that all of a sudden the Holy Spirit, you're serving with the right attitude? Then the Holy Spirit will open up something new. Like, have you ever thought about doing this? New ministries are birthed out of serving. New callings are birthed out of serving. Christian maturity happens out of serving because there's so much internally that's going on when you're externally serving somebody. So Jesus says, now that you know what to do, go do it. Imitate me. And I'm asking for our church to take on the heart of the servant. And I think John 13 was very appropriate for where we're at. How can we serve our city? How can we serve our fellow man? How can we serve our friends, our enemies? How can we make a difference by wearing the towel of servanthood? And when I get done praying, I want you to go and do likewise. I want you to go look for a place to serve. Follow the prompt. I want you to sign up for Go Serve Your City Day, but don't just think that's the day it's the photo op. Man, that might just be the catalyst that gets you started for what's next after that, after that. So Lord, I pray right now that we would grab the towel. We'd let go of the title. Many of us hold positions of power and authority, and I pray that we'd realize it's through serving that we can change this world. You said for us to live that way and I pray that we would. I thank you for the humility that you modeled and you showed. You you left heaven to save us. There's no sacrifice we could make that would even come close to that sacrifice and so I pray that we'd leave our comfort to serve. Leave our comfort to serve and I pray Lord Jesus that when we serve we do it with love and I pray Lord Jesus the touch of Christ would be felt when we do it. People would know we love them so much when we're serving them. They'd feel as if they were touched by Jesus Christ when we go and serve. I pray you'd give us great ideas. I pray you'd give us obedience to follow those great ideas. And I pray that you'd help us to be formed in your image by serving. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen.